With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show. I am your host, Sage, the poet. That's my signature. I hope that everyone is having a terrific Tuesday on tonight, such like I am. It gives me great pleasure to come again on another Tuesday. And yes, if you are looking for a radio broadcast where your literary artist needs will be fully addressed, you have tuned in to the correct internet radio show. This is the Exceptional Scribble Show, and we specialize in providing our listening audience with information to better equip them on their journey to become a master scribe or maybe a poet who has mastered their artistry or a spoken word artist who is a master of that craft. So keep tuning in. We have a lot to share with you tonight. As for tonight, this is episode 223. And a special note, ladies and gentlemen, we cater to callers. Thus, the exclusive interview hour may go over time. Yes, sometimes we do. However, immediately following the exclusive interview hour, we will begin the free publishing tips hour. Yes, you heard me correctly. The free publishing tips hour immediately follows the exclusive interview hour. Call in if you have any questions concerning how to ensure that your manuscript is publishing approval ready, then you need to call in. Listen closely. This is the number to call, 724-444-7444. I repeat, 724-444-7444. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuning into the Exceptional Civil Show. This is the broadcast where we have answers if you have questions in regards to how to become a published author. And yes, if you would like to call in and you would like to sample an original written piece by you on a live audience, you can do that. This is also the Internet Radio Talk Show, where the open mic hour is exclusive and ready at all times. You can call in, you can spit a poem 
or you can read some lines from a manuscript that is a soon-to-be-published book. We will listen. We only provide positive, responsive feedback. We will listen fully to your words. And after we have heard it, we will, at that time, provide you with remarks, comments that you will find are helpful and beneficial to you. And yes, you will be able to use this information to do a self-assessment. So ladies and gentlemen, here's what the itinerary has for you tonight. We're now beginning the exclusive interview hour. I must make this announcement. This is a very, very um, urgent announcement. I did receive the call from the special guest who was scheduled to be in the spotlight tonight. We had, for tonight's broadcast, Nathaniel Stone Jones, and I'm going to share some information about him. Nathaniel Stone Jones is the published author of a book entitled Spiritual Chess, The Ultimate Battle and Spiritual Warfare. I repeat, Nathaniel Stone Jones is a published author of the following book. His book is entitled Spiritual Chess, The Ultimate Battle and Spiritual Warfare. <clears throat> now, for information about his book. Spiritual Chess is a novel that highlights the direct or indirect warfare we experience on the battlefields of life in the spiritual realm as compared to the physical or secular realm. It includes many other trials and tribulations that affect humans when influenced by spiritual forces. Since mankind was created in God's image, with a body, a mind, and a soul or spirit, which you can find as a reference, Genesis 5, 1 to 2, the soul of every man is being contested by spiritual entities on both sides, good versus evil. Every moment of our lives, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You can find in the Bible there's a scripture reference, Ephesians 6.28. Travel along as we track the last few days of Claus Gottfried Kaiser, an arms dealer and antique business owner from the former East Germany, and Melissa Hamilton, a beautiful young African-American college student and trophy mistress from Elizabeth, New Jersey. The two had little in common other than their destinies being affected by spiritual forces, causing them both to mysteriously disappear outside JFK Airport in New York. So as you can hear, this is a very intriguing story plot, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to keep reading because if I keep reading, I'm going to give too much information. I want you to purchase this book. This book Again, Spiritual Chess is a novel. It is a published work by 
Nathaniel Stone Jones. You can find it online. You can visit the Amazon bookstore and find the book is available for you to purchase there, ladies and gentlemen. The printed edition is $14.50. The digital edition is $6.50. And that is if you visit stonejonespublishing.com. So instead of going to amazon.com, visit stonejonespublishing.com and order the books there. You can again you can order the book in its print edition for fourteen dollars and fifty cents. Or you can order the book in its digital edition for six dollars and fifty cents. Another thing, um in reference to tonight's show, I just received a call from the scheduled special guest, Nathaniel Stone Jones, who was scheduled to be our feature artist, and special guest in the spotlight. Unfortunately, he will not be with us tonight. He will, however, be with us on next Tuesday. So, again, this is a two-week, two-part series. So on next Tuesday, tune in starting at 8 o'clock p.m. for the full interview. Yes, tune in for the exclusive interview hour beginning at 8 p.m. on next Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, which is July the 17th. You heard me correctly, July the 17th. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. And basically what I'm going to do for tonight is fill you in. I'm going to prepare you for next week's show. I'm going to inform you of all those specifics, those details that you should have full awareness of prior to next week so that when you call in, you can engage in dialogue and you can ask some well-informed questions, meaning you had time to reference, to read about the book, to the summary of what the book is about. So your questions will be good questions to ask. Don't miss out. Don't you do it. I promise you next week it will be worth your time, well worth your time. And just a little information about um, Nathaniel Stone Jones. He has a Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry. He is a financial planner and tax specialist, and that is his primary work experience. He is a published author. He has published two books. His first book, which is nonfiction, was entitled Never Give Up. And it was released the year of 2005. And his most current or recent published book is entitled Spiritual Chess, The Ultimate Battle in Spiritual Warfare. Yes, Stone Jones Publishing, ladies and gentlemen. You can go to www.stonejonespublishing.com. I repeat. Go to www.stonejonespublishing.com and read the full biography of Nathaniel Stone Jones. He is quite an intriguing and I would say a very rare find. Yes, as for a gentleman, a very rare find. He um, 
has quite the story to tell. A lot of us, we are used to reading about amazing stories, but this um, literary artist has an amazing life account to share with everyone about why he wrote this book, Spiritual Chess. He literally had some paranormal, supernatural experiences. And yes, they are shared in that book. Again, if you don't have a copy yet, I urge you to order your copy, place an order today. Again, the book is entitled Spiritual Chess, The Ultimate Battle in Spiritual Warfare, and it is by published author Nathaniel Stone Jones. I repeat, Nathaniel Stone Jones. Again, you can visit his webpage, which is stonejonespublishing.com. I repeat, stonejonespublishing.com. When you visit the page, please scroll down, read the full biography. I promise you, it is a compelling, good read. Also, you can purchase your copy of his book. You can purchase the print edition, which is $14.50, or you can purchase the digital edition, which is $6.50. Let's support this indie slash independent artist. It is time for us to support each other artists out there. If you are a member of the literary art community or if you are a writer, please support artists whom are self-published artists in particular. Why? Because if we're not supporting each other, we're failing. It is up to us to help each other. Thank you. At this time, I have some other information I'm going to share. Again, if you would like to call in, the number to call in is 724-444-7444. I repeat, 724-444-7444. Yes, and listen closely to the voice prompt. When you are asked to press the pound key, do so. Also, you will be asked for the show's ID number when you call in. That number is 133-193, and then press the pound key. I repeat. One three three one nine three, and then press the pound key. And I want to say a big shout out out there to everyone celebrating a birthday on today, July the 10th. You know, I care. Yes, I'm sending much love your way, and I'm saying to you, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday. I hope your birthday is just as special as you. Yes, that is my happy birthday salute, sending it out with lots of love to everyone celebrating a birthday today. And if anyone is celebrating an anniversary on today, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Yes, I see you two lovebirds. Kissy, kissy, hug, group hug. Yes, sending you much love. Just wanting you to know I so appreciate you and thank you for being who you are. And I want to say again to everyone, uh, Nathaniel 
Stone Jones will be with us on next week. There was an emergency that did come up, and unfortunately, he cannot join the call for tonight. But I want you to be ready and prepared. So I provided you with the book information. You can go online and you can look up his book. You can go to the page that I provided you with the link of, and that is www.stonejonespublishing.com. I repeat, www.stonejonespublishing.com. And once you arrive at that page, scroll down, read the biography. I'm telling you, it is compelling. It is epic. Yes, you will be like, wow, this man has quite an experience. Yes, just navigating through life and being all that he is. He has achieved many things, well-rounded. He has lived outside of America, and he has come back with an awesome, awesome story and a true account to share with everyone. Yes, he has experienced things that many people read about or see in a movie, okay? Um, Things that most of us have never experienced that are supernatural or paranormal. So he has quite the testimonial. Don't miss tuning in on next Tuesday, 8 o'clock p.m. sharp. We're going to begin the exclusive interview hour with, yes, feature artist, special guest will be Nathaniel Stone Jones. So for tonight, we're just touching on a few things, a couple of um, interesting things. Uh, One in particular, we have a topic, uh, the process, the evolution of a manuscript to a published book. The process, i.e., the evolution of a manuscript to a published book. Yes, um, how? A lot of you have that question and thought in your mind. How do you how do you progress from having simply a manuscript, a rough draft, into its final phase of proof? a final draft, and then publishing approval readiness, meaning that manuscript is now ready to be submitted to a publisher or a publishing company. How do you achieve doing that successfully? That is the question. Now for the answer. Number one, you cannot do it alone. A lot of people resort to being their own editor. I am not going to recommend that, especially if you're a first-time published author or a soon-to-be-published author. Do not know. Don't be your own editor. Yes, proofread. That is a must. You must. And, yes, please, Grammarly.com, I am definitely suggesting that resource to every writer out there. If you have a manuscript and you know you need it to be finalized as for a final draft, you need it to be edited, 
I am suggesting that you visit www.grammarly, which is spelled grammar, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com, www.grammarly.com. That is the best aid. The turnover time is so quick, okay? It's not like when you hand over your rough draft to someone and you have to wait five days, three days, a week, 10 days. No. Grammarly saves you time and money. You simply submit a word document copy of your written work and provide your email, meaning you have to set up a free account using your email, and you will have it back in your box, edited even with suggestions of some corrections that you can make, okay? It is the quickest way to prepare a manuscript to be submitted for publishing approval. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, before you submit your manuscript to a person, when you have your manuscript finalized, meaning it's in its final draft copy form, even if it's not grammatically corrected as for every typo being corrected. You can submit it online to the National Library of Congress for registration purposes. Get it registered in its manuscript form, please. Why trust no man? You may think that a lot of these publishing companies or publishers are trustworthy, but I'm telling you what I know. I've heard this information from many people. They're not. And too often, people's original work, meaning your written literary works, are subject, are vulnerable to being Yes, I don't want to use the word, but it's a truth of being taken away from you. As for the 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 authorship credits or credibility, there are those out there who literally will take someone else's literary work and claim it as their own. You've got to protect what's yours. Copyright protection is a must. So the first phase, the first phase in copyright protection, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Submit your work to the National Library of Congress. You can go online. There is an application or a form. Yes, a form, a literary um document form that you would fill out so that you can register your literary works. And there is a fee that you would pay associated with it. You can do everything online. It's fast that way. 
And as soon as you receive your receipt confirmation that it is being processed, that means it is being registered. You can follow up phone call the next day just to confirm. Also, you will receive a certificate in the mail in the event that you should have to go to court because someone is taking a claim of your work as being theirs, you will have a legal document that will stand in the court of law to confirm that you are the originator. It goes into a database, and that database is routinely checked quite often, and it can be referenced to confirm that your work was registered on such and such a date and such and such a time. Also, I would urge you to email yourself. Email yourself your work. And in the subject of your email, write an original manuscript by, and, and you will put your name. That's what you put in the heading. Why? Because that is a time date stamp, and it gives proof that you sent it to yourself. It was your original work along with registering the work at online at the National Library of Congress site online, you will have two testimonials to confirm that you are the originator of that work. It is essential, ladies and gentlemen. It is vital. It is necessary in this day and time that you protect the rights of your authorship. What you write, you should have full proof that you wrote it. Let no one claim your work but you. Be sincere, be diligent, and never doubt yourself. Always know that you are confident. If you wrote something and you feel good about what you wrote, confidence comes along with that. Don't let someone shake you and make you doubtful of what you can achieve when you've already done it. Be confident. Encourage yourself quite often. Say positive affirmations. I did well. I am achieving my literary goals and doing it with all diligence. You've got to speak these things. Allow that positivity, that positive energy to illuminate everything surrounding you. And especially when you are about a, a good work, you need to stay lifted, stay encouraged. Uh, keep your confidence. Don't cast it away. Bless yourself. Say, my hands can only produce great things. And mean that. Bless your hands. Pray over your hands. When you say your positive affirmations, meditate. Have nothing else as your focus at that time but the truth. Say what you know is truth. You are writing an awesome literary work. It will impact many people's lives. Say these things. Even before the release of your book, say these things. This book 
is going to empower men, women, and children. Say these things. Be confident. If you are not doing this, start today. I'm simply one voice in the wilderness crying out, saying to you, it matters that you set the pace for your continued success in life. And it does matter what you are saying from your lips, the fruit of your lips. Your words testify of your success, your rise, or your fall. Our very words can either ensnare us or they pave the way for our success in life. I want to welcome the caller. Welcome, caller. Hello, Sage Friend. Hi, welcome. <laughs> yes, um, welcome. This is the co-host, Warrior's Queen, Deborah Salmon. Welcome. How are you this evening? I am coming to lunch, trying to stay cool out of the heat. Oh, yes, the heat is coming back, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear there's a hurricane um, on the out uh, skirts of the East Coast, mm-hmm. and that this hurricane is is, is impacting our uh, temperature and even the waters. I'm hearing that the, even though we have some calm, fair mm-hmm. uh, temperature and weather today, that the waters on the beach aren't very safe. There's a lot of riptides because of this hurricane that's along the coastal line. So everyone on the East Coast, if you're going to the beach today and tomorrow, please be safe. Mm-hmm. Be safe and hear the instructions. The um, safeguards will be giving you instructions as to where it's safe for you to swim and where you need to avoid because riptides are dangerous. A lot of times people think that they can outswim those tides and you can't. You will tire yourself out. Many have died trying. So um, as for a safety um, alert, everyone, if you're going to the beach tomorrow, if you're already there, you got to be safe. Mm-hmm. It's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, Warrior is Queen, I did receive a call. Uh, Nathaniel Stone Jones, he um, did call in to announce he had an emergency uh, this evening. So um, we're already scheduled to do a two-week part series, having him on for two weeks. So what's going to happen is he will be with us on next Tuesday, and we're going to try and um, extend our hour and do a two-hour for next Tuesday from 8 uh, till 10, and then we'll have you do the free publishing tips hour from 10 to 11. All righty. That sounds fine with me. Okay, so that's the only change in our program, and that change, of course, will be next week. However, um, there's so much going on in the world right now, and um, I was just touching on publishing. I wanted to start there because uh, for tonight we did have as the topic, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to read it so you can uh, share your thoughts and sentiments about it, the process i.e. the evolution of a manuscript to a published book. And our focus, of course, is Mm self-publishing. So um, what would you like to share about that topic that we have for tonight's show? 
All right. Well, I do have some things I want to say, you know, about the topic. Mm-hmm. And when you're writing a manuscript, it is a journey, a journey of words. Mm. You're putting together, you know, a story. And the process, you know, is indeed an evolution because the story changes, you know, as you write. Because you're mm-hmm. making, you know, you're doing, first, you're really doing is self-editing. Okay. Then, you know, but then after the self-editing, it's more self-editing after the second, you know, um, inspecting editing at the publishers. Because you go mm-hmm. back and forth. Is because you're doing the editing and then the uh, inspector editor, you know, they okay. you know, do more editing and they send it back to you, you know, for, you know, inspection. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So and then you're going back and forth. So really, you're an inspector editor. Okay. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like what and, you said about uh, the process being it is an evolution because the manuscript is actually evolving or changing as you're writing it. Yes, it's growing. Yes, it's growing. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, and then you, you know, and then when you finally get through the stage, you know, to the end, and then you still have, you know, a final, you still have more inspecting to do to finalize things. I agree. I Uh definitely agree with that. Uh And thank you, uh, co-host, Warriors Queens of Port Thelman, for sharing that. You're welcome. Very important. Mhm. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a slow process. You know, it's not fast as people you know believe it to be because they're not doing it. They're just reading about it, or but to, or witnessing it, but to or hearing about it. But to actually do the work, that's when the experience happens. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. It is an experience, and. Everyone's journey is not alike, and we have to keep that in mind. A lot of times people are so quick to give advice and to tell people this is what you do. I'm not Mm going to say this is what you do, but I will make a suggestion that if you do this, this will benefit you. For example, Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned about editing. I said don't edit your own work. Why? Because a lot of times we look at something in one way, or it's a unilateral um, dimension that we see our work. Um, It's our words, so we see what we want to see sometimes. So when you have that second opinion and that third opinion even, that is helpful because there may be something that you're blindsided to because sometimes we have preferences and we write the things we like or the way we like, but we forget that somebody else is going to read and buy our book, not us. So when we're writing, we have to keep that in mind. Am I writing in such a way that whoever reads this book, it is clear, there's clarity, um, they're able to interpret the print. I'm writing in such a way that it's easy to follow, meaning it's not like I'm writing in riddles and it's very difficult where someone literally has, it takes them maybe 15, 20 minutes to read three sentences or paragraphs. No, thank you. At that point, they're ready to put the book down because it's just too much work. So we want to keep in mind, yes, make it 
make it a journey experience for the reader too, but don't let it be too complex or complicated because think about it. If you're driving and you're writing and you have a map, you have a road map, and you know where you need to go, or you're using your GPS because this is the digital era, so we use the GPS mostly today. You're using your GPS. Now, if the scenic route is going to take an hour and a half, but you can go to Express Lane, which will only take you 30, 40 minutes, wouldn't you prefer or rather take that Express Lane? So we have to think that way. Cut through the chase when you're writing and think about what is the simplest form in which I can say this. And yes, you can still be colorful in your language. You can still use descriptive words um, and 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 use those adjectives and adverbs. And um, yes, uh, please do. And metaphors, but don't over embellish it. Now there is a place, there is a time for the flowery, what they call the flowery poetic style of writing. But if you're writing a novel, I would I would charge you, I would I would um urge you to look up what is the standard format for writing a novel. Go and Google that. What is the standard format for writing a novel? Because when you're writing a novel, you're not writing poetry. And that's very important to know. Because there is a specific style for novel writing, which differs from the style of when someone is writing a poem, ladies and gentlemen. So we do need to be clear on things as for what style or what voice should I be writing in if I'm writing a novel as opposed to writing poetry. Very important. All right, Sage Poet, this is our Warriors Queen Zippor. And I yes. want to, you know, comment on what you just said regarding about how to, you know, writing a novel. Mm-hmm. And I agree with, you know, keep it simple understanding. You know, you can uh, write it your own style, use your voice, but make it understanding. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I have discovered is that when I'm reading, you know, stories, I have a, you know, dictionary, you know, because I have to look up uh, these, uh, was it these big words. That's true. Mm-hmm. You, I want to say, um, in in agreement with Warriors Queen Zipporah Thelman, co-host of the Exceptional Scribble Show, I want to say this as well to everyone listening. It is necessary that you have your writing tools alongside you whenever you're composing. I don't care if it's just you're just writing a few sentences. Okay, a paragraph still. Have that thesaurus, have that dictionary right on hand. Why? Because a lot of times there's word choice, um, and you may not be able to think of the correct word, and you know it's a word, you just can't think of it. That thesaurus is, is good for that. It may, it'll give you 50 words that mean the same thing. Um, the dictionary, if you are not sure of the spelling, and you know, I know this is a word, but I'm not sure I spelled it correct. Have your dictionary on hand. Also, use your electronic devices. If you have your um, iPad or your telephone or laptop, 
just do a quick Google search um, as for the spelling of the of the word, and you will get the accurate spelling. But don't go on thought alone because sometimes we are, you know, we're trying to remember too much as it is. We've got 199 things in our mind. <laughs> so, no, we can't correctly remember everything always at any given time. So it's good to have these resources, these tools at your fingertips because they will assist you and give you that extra edge in your time of need. So I just wanted to put that out there because that's important information. Another thing, um, one of the things I notice a lot of people do is they tend to have a book that's already published and written and reference that book while they're writing, like um, famous novels of mice and men, um, Steinbeck novels, so many different writers, um, Alice uh, Walker, um, so many different writers. We tend to think of their works or have it even in front of us when we're writing. But my question to doing that is this. How much of your writing is reliant on referencing that other work? And if more than half of your writing or composing of that work relied on you having that other book open, then you need to make certain in written form that you say that in your introduction, that this is a work that was inspired by the writing of such and such. Why? Because plagiarism, believe it or not, lies and rests in that. When you're spending a lot of time focusing on another written work as you write, it's not intentional, it's not deliberate, but guess what? A lot of that other work filters into your composition. And at the end, you see, wow, mine is similar to that one in this um, instance in the story, in this part, with that character, they're similar to this. You need to then make it clear at the beginning of your book, in the introduction, this is an original work by me. However, I was inspired to write it as I read such and such. That is fair to do. And that covers you so that you will not have committed the act of plagiarism. Always acknowledge any other writer and their writing if it has inspired you to write your work. And that's a fair exchange. So I did want to make that announcement. Okay, this is Warriors Queens of 4 It is an important announcement because people are always very watchful and readful and thoughtful. And they remember mm -hmm. things. That's right. We've got to do it. We've got to ensure that our hands as writers stay clean because too often writers are accused of plagiarism, mm -hmm. and it starts simple, like something as simple as that. You take 
maybe there's a, a quote, a famous quote by a writer, and you always liked it and you insert it in your book. You're supposed to um, indicate, have it in italics, mm-hmm. have quotations, mm-hmm. quoting it and even say, um, as such and such stated, mm-hmm. or this is a quote by such and such. But make sure that you are in acknowledgement that it is not your original mm-hmm. written quote. It was something written by someone else or spoken and uttered by someone else. And make sure that you get you accredit them. And that protects you from the act of plagiarism. So the best thing I would say is if you're going to write a novel, if you're going to write even poetry, try your best to be authentic. Yes. Try not to mimic anyone else. Write in your own voice. Um, Have your own signature style. And make certain that your word choice is laid out in such a manner that it is authentic, it is original, and no one else can claim that Mm -hmm. they said it or wrote it the same way. So you want to take care. It's called care and attention. Take a lot of time, needful to say, take time and administer care and attention when selecting Words, and when grouping words together into phrases, make sure if it's not original, it's not your original quote, that you acknowledge the person who is the originator of it, and that's just doing it the safe way and keeping your hands clean. Now, another option is, and I do know of a person that does it, a uh, ghostwriter. If you're mm-hmm. finding that you keep experiencing writer's block, you have an awesome story plot, you have your characters already selected, but you continue to have writer's block every time you get to the midpoint. And you know the midpoint of any book is just not completed. It's, it's not the complete or full uh, written composition yet. So you may have to call one, and they are um, for hire a ghostwriter. In the event that you do that, now that ghostwriter will never be exposed. They are anonymous. However, they will write what you can't. And the only thing is, you have to acknowledge that you did have a ghostwriter who assisted you in writing your novel. Even though they remain anonymous, no one knows who they are, you agree um, in a contract, in the form of a contract, to compensate them for the services allotted, but it is your book, it is your novel, and they assist it, and that's as far as it goes. And again, that's because you already had a plot. You already had your own plot, and you already had your own characters. They just assisted you in the finishing 
or the completing of the composition. And, yes, sometimes we need help. Things can happen, health issues. Um, If you're on certain types of medication, that can cause you to have what's called foggy brain uh, reaction. When your brain is foggy, it's just like it's just hard to, to, to do a whole lot of thinking and processing of thought. So it takes a longer time for you to think and deliberate things. So a lot of times, due to health reasons, people hire a ghostwriter or a lot of things can happen. Um, you just need to get this book out there and you're having a struggle. A ghostwriter can help you work through the kinks. You pay them, they're, they remain anonymous and you just Acknowledge that you had an assistant, um, a ghostwriter, to help you to finish the composition of your work. But, again, you have to have the plot. You have to have the characters because that means the story was originally yours. You just needed someone to help you with the wording as for completion. So that's something to consider to anybody out there if you're in that predicament. Yes, just go online. Ghostwriters, I would recommend The Writing King. You can go to thewritingking.com. I'm not going to give out the name. You can find that when you do your Google search online. Again, thewritingking.com. Thewritingking.com. He is a well-experienced, highly skilled ghostwriter. He has helped many famous people and politicians as well as celebrities and everyday people like us to compose and have published books that needed to be released by a deadline date. He also does referrals. So if he's not the one that's the best fit, he can refer you to a ghostwriter who is. Again, thewritingking.com. And I do want to do another ad for The Writing King. Not only is The Writing King a ghostwriter, um, The Writing King provides professional writing services in general and also assists with promotional packages. If you need to market your published works and you're just not good at that, Come on, let's confess, people. Not every writer is born with business-savvy, multimedia marketing skills, okay? Not every writer is good at mass multimedia mass marketing. So in the event that that's not your forte, that's not your niche, there's Someone else who can, and again, I'm going to recommend uh, thewritingking.com, but I'm also going to recommend um, Bruce Brown. Again, Bruce, B-R-U-C-E, Brown, B-R-O-W-N. Yes, Bruce Brown. He is best known as the marketing specialist, Bruce Brown. You can look him up. On LinkedIn, ladies and gentlemen, LinkedIn, Bruce Brown. He is best known as 
the marketing guru or marketing specialist. I kid you not, these are people that their reputation precedes them. They are well-known on the East Coast as well as the West Coast, down South, up North, in Canada, abroad. Their reputation precedes them, and they are skilled at what they do, highly skilled, and will help you to reach whatever your literary goals are, okay? Because as a literary artist or writer, you set goals, and sometimes we may set goals and not have all of the resources at our fingertips, but someone like myself can refer to us resources that we need to help us fulfill our dreams. Your dreams are within reach, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of times we don't know how close how close we are to fulfilling our dreams until we say, that's it. I'm not going to let nothing stop me. I'm going to do it. And then someone says that piece of information that we needed, that piece of pie we didn't have. And then now we have it and we make up in our mind, I'm going to put this knowledge to use. I'm going to put this knowledge to use. I'm going to apply it. And once you apply what you know, that's when those dreams become a reality. It's possible, people. Your dreams are within reach. You can become that publishing author that you've always dreamed of being. Yes, it's going to require a lot of energy and time and research. There's no way around it. A lot of energy, time, and research. Sometimes it's going to be like you're seeing, you're burning that midnight oil. You're seeing the sun rise and you're seeing the sun fall. Mm -hmm. And your sleep is very small or minimum. But at the end, when you fulfill that goal, what do you say? Allah, at last. I did it. It's fulfilled. Eureka, I found it. (laughs) Okay, so sometimes we make these sacrifices. We don't necessarily feel good making them at the time because it's requiring a lot from us, energy, time, sleep, a lot from us, money, right? Yes, because it's an investment, especially when you're um, going the route of, being self-published, you're going to put out, you're going to have to put out some serious dollars. You're going to have to be willing to invest in your dream. Don't let anyone tell you it's easy. It's not difficult. No, it really is. Because you have to pound the pavement when it's your first time doing anything. By way of investment, it's not easy at first. And you don't always have a team in the beginning. It's team you all the way. Thumbs up. You got to be your own coach, your own cheerleader, everything in the beginning. But when you find that partner or find that group or find those two, I'd say three, you have a team of three, you and two makes three. That's good. Right there, a trio. When you can get a trio and you all are pushing for the same thing, 
and it's a support, support, support system, a good working support system all the way around. You can achieve whatever your goals are as for your dreams. Don't quit. That's key. Do not give up. A lot of times it gets more intensified as you are fulfilling goals and you're close and closer to the end of reaching that goal. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Don't let anyone convince you not to do it. If you know you've already written down the game plan, you have the blueprint, mm-hmm. and you're about it, about being it and doing it, all that's required next is for you to stay focused and stay the course. Don't turn around now. Don't quit and give up now. Don't throw your hands up and say, ah, this is too much now. You've already made it past the beginning phase. You're at the midpoint now. So now you got to dig in deep. Like they say, dig your heels in. Dig in deep, pull up from your well all of that good stuff, all of that gold that's down inside of you, and let it overflow. Pull it up. You got to pull it up. Like you pump that water if you've ever experienced drawing water up from a well. You got to pump, 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 pump. And once you get it up, Hey, it's such a refreshing, such a joy that overwhelms your soul because you did what was necessary. So don't give up. Keep going in the direction that you're taking to fulfill your dream. And when you stop for those traffic signs on on your way, You have to yield. You have to stop. Whatever you have to do, just do it. Veer to the left to avoid pitfalls. Do what it takes, but don't stop. People don't always tell you about the struggles you're going to encounter. It's necessary for you to prepare yourself. There will be struggles. There will be rain. There will be pain. It's not all joy, 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 happy, happy, joy, joy. (laughs) You're going to have days when you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, am I really doing this? Mm -hmm. This is like, oh, this is taking so much away from me, so much of my energy, my time, and even some money. But you got to think about it. Once it's done, it's done, and then the marketing aspect begins. That's when if you're not a marketing expert, you need to consult with one again. TheWritingKing.com or Bruce Brown, you can go on LinkedIn. They're there, and they will assist you. They'll walk you through step-by-step the process. It's a process, people. It's not an overnight success. It's a process. And enjoy the process. Take joy in the process. Experience the process for what it's worth. Take notes as you go along, as you are on this journey, taking this journey to become a published author. Take joy. Write things down. Every experience, write it down. 
Keep a journal because it's going to help somebody else. Someone else is going to need to know, well, what do I do when I get to this point? What should I do or what should I avoid when I'm in this predicament? If you're taking notes, you'll be able to reference those things and refer to them, the things you know that you were able to achieve and how. And that's being a help to to the next person. Each one, teach one, as Maya Angelou said. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here because we all have our own unique experiences and we are our neighbor's keeper, our brother's and sister's keeper. And if we're able to share with them the things that are necessary, which did help us, then they possibly won't make certain errors. And and that's helping to build up the village. So let's just keep writing. I I would encourage anyone, keep writing, because sometimes you perfect your own writing style and skill just by by way of practice. And read what you wrote. Read it out loud. Listen. As you read what you wrote, you'll catch the errors on your own. Some errors you'll be able to find yourself. And then another person... Uh, they'll say, oh, wow, Um, I read what you wrote and I noticed this, but you did a very good job writing it because it was smooth. Then you can say, wow, you know, my works are being appreciated. Someone's acknowledging the efforts that I'm putting into doing this. And you have that good feeling, that confidence boost. So take your time, take care and attention. And that's time, care and attention, administer care and attention as you're writing. Very important to do that. And as you move forward, fulfilling the completion of your manuscript, you can do it with confidence, not stressed out, very minimum, if any, anxiety. And you can do it with a joy in your heart. And, and and just an uplifted spirit, knowing I am doing well and I have support. And let me just finish what I started. So it is 9.06. I'm going to hand the microphone to the co-host, Warrior's Queen Deborah Salmon. So she can carry things on. I will be back in about five minutes, and I will definitely chime in as soon as I return. I have to take care of a matter real quick. But uh, Warriorist Queens of Port Thalman, ladies and gentlemen, is now starting what we refer to on this show's panel as the free publishing tips hour, and I'm encouraging everyone who has not called in to call in. The call-in number is 724-444-7444. I repeat, 724-444-7444. And do also remember that our show's ID number is 133 
133-193, and then press the pound key. I repeat, 133-193, and then press the pound key and join the call tonight. We're looking forward to answering your questions. This is the free Publishing Tips Hour, and the lead facilitator is the co-host, Warrior Queen, Zipporah Thelman. Thank you, Duchess Fran, and I'm going to wait until you return before I continue so you can also hear it. Hello, Warrioress Queens of Port Thelman. Yes, I'm here. I was waiting till you return before I continue. Okay, I need you to continue, but I will be returning. It's going to take me a little more time than I expected. So you can go ahead and read something until I come back. All right. Uh, what I had, all right. Well, I'll do something backwards then. I'll start with the suggested reading because what I have tonight is, you know, short. All right, so tonight's suggested reading is Pretend You Don't See Her by Mary Higgins Clark. What happens when a young woman, having merely been in the wrong place at the wrong time, is accidentally caught up in a dangerous murder investigation? What happens when she is placed under police protection, forced to give up her identity, and moved to another part of the country, at least until the killer can be positively identified and apprehended? What happens when in her new life she meets the perfect man only she can't risk falling in love because she can't tell anyone, even him, especially him, who she really is? Pretend You Don't See Her is Mary Higgins Clark's brilliant and terrifying new novel, her 15th and her most chilling and suspenseful yet. Set in New York and in Minneapolis, St. Paul, it is the story of Lacey Farrell, a young rising star on Manhattan's high-powered and competitive real estate scene. In the course of selling a luxurious Skyline Coupe, Lacey becomes the witness to a murder and hears the dying words of the victim, a woman who was convinced that her attacker was after a journal kept by her daughter up until the day she died and what everyone but her grieving mother believes to have been a tragic accident. Lacey gives the journal to the police, but not before she makes a copy for herself in an impetuous act that later proves to be almost fatal. Obliged to give up her family, her job, her very identity, Lacey is placed in the witness protection program and sent to live in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area where she must assume a new life, at least until the killer can be brought to trial. 
Once there, she meets and quickly finds herself attracted to Tom Lynch, a young radio talk show host. He likewise is drawn to her, but Lacey becomes so upset and confused by the life of lies she is forced to live that she tries to break off their burgeoning relationship. How can she commit to him when she can't even tell him her true name? Then one day she discovers that the killer has traced her to Minneapolis and will soon place not only her, but everyone around her in dire jeopardy. Realizing that she is no longer safe, she decides to go back to New York, determined to confront the threat to her life head on. Armed with nothing more than her own courage and the ambiguous and mystifying clues found in the journal, Lacey is caught in a fast-paced race against time as she tries to uncover who was behind the deaths of the two women before she, too, is killed, not realizing that the journal itself is the reason for the murders. Chilling, spine-tingling suspense is the hallmark of Mary Higgins Clark's novels, and pretend you don't see her, she surpasses herself. The end of the summary. And I will read the acknowledgments, just the first part. People often ask, where do you get your idea for a book? The answer in this instance is very specific. I was considering several plot and possibilities with not one of them as yet triggering my imagination. Then one night I was having dinner in Raul's Bar and Grill, a legendary New York restaurant. Toward the end of the evening, Frank Pellegrino, one of the owners and a professional singer, picked up a mic and began to sing a song Jerry Vale made popular many years ago. Pretend you don't see her. As I listened to the lyrics, an idea I've been considering crystallized. A young woman witnesses a murder and to save her life has to go into the witness protection program. Rosie Frank. All right, that's it for tonight's suggested reading for Tuesday, July the 10th, 2018. I will now read my writing advice and discoveries, which are the following four pieces. Number one, people succeed and fail from either doing what they like or pressure. Number two, don't follow popularity, do what makes you happy. Number three, common knowledge is literature's support. And number four, silly ideas arrive when writer's block attacks. I will now take questions and comments for my writing advice and discoveries. Okay. Um, I'm going to need you to repeat the what was just shared. I believe it was, was it two things? Brent? It was four things. Four, was four if you things. can start with the first one, because I would like to comment. All right, sure. Number one, people succeed and fail from either doing what they like or pressure. Huh. You know what? I want to make a correction on it. Instead of the word or, I'm going to say and, because I see the connection. 
So I'll reread it. Number one, people succeed and fail from either doing what they like and pressure. Yes. Um, I would have to say when you do what you like, I can only go on what I know from my life experience. For the most part, when I did what things that I liked, mm-hmm. I succeeded or I did fare well because I liked what I was doing. And I think when you like what you're doing, your heart and soul are involved in you doing it. And it makes for a formula of success. Um, You're putting all of you into doing the thing that you're doing. And you're doing it with joy for the most part when you like doing it. And that makes the difference. Um, You count the cost better and you weather the storm better when you like doing what you're doing. So for the most part, the things that I like doing, I succeeded at doing those things. Now, when there was stress involved, if I was stressed, I noticed that I didn't put a hundred into doing whatever it was I was doing. And when I was stressed, it made me not not like to not like doing it. Even if it was something that I took pleasure in doing in the past, mm-hmm. if I was experiencing stress while doing it, then I had mixed emotions. And when I had mixed emotions, I wasn't as focused. I wasn't as charged or driven or inspired or encouraged. Um, Then again, there were times when I can say I know I was under a lot of pressure or I was stressed, but I was still able to succeed because I kept a positive outlook. I stayed positive. And that just kind of gave me that wind beneath my wings to carry me through the ordeal of going through being stressed or having a lot of pressure and weight on me while pursuing a goal. So it's a give and take across the board. It has everything to do with the individual because some people can do things that They don't necessarily like and succeed just for sake of their focus, they're driven, and they're a go-getter and an achiever. So they don't let obstacles or no's stand in their way. I remember hearing this saying, I'm not sure who is the originator of it, but there's this saying, a no is as good as a yes. Sometimes we make a no a consequence that's negative when it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of overcome seeing a no as meaning uh, you can't and seeing a no as meaning you can, and that is just one no, but that's not enough to prevent you from continuing on your journey and fulfilling your destiny. Because you're going to have a lot of people say no. So if you can say a no is just as good as a yes, then you're accepting that, yes, a no does not mean the end. 
and I can still succeed. I can still move ahead. I can still fulfill my destiny, even though I'm getting a lot of people saying no. And that's something we have to come to terms with, too. Sometimes you have to get through those no's to get to that open door, which means that that yes, that leads to the fulfillment of your destiny. It's like sometimes those no's can be like mountains, and you have to be like a mountain climber. And you have to overcome the nose. Sometimes there's a mountain of nose in front of you. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to turn back and say, well, I can't go forward because of all these nose? Or are you going to say, you know what? I'm going to let these nose be a stepping stone, and I'm going to climb this mountain of nose and get to the other side. So it's all in your perception. Ultimately, what do you perceive those rejections and those as? Do you perceive them as, okay, these are a challenge to me. I'm going to overcome this challenge. Or do you perceive them as these no's are saying that I can't. It's all in a perception. How do you perceive things? Because success is a choice, just like failure is a choice. Now, I'm not referring to the failure that comes because you shouldn't have even done that or you shouldn't have even gone there. Now, there is a failure, which which is just a sign, um, and that's just, the divine and the universe is saying you don't belong where you have placed yourself. So now it's time for you to get up, go where you belong, find your place or your niche and get in where you fit in. Now that's a different kind of failure. Um, I'm referring to the failure that comes because a lot of times we stop in our tracks. We let things stop us. And we settle for what the obstacle is saying, because the obstacle is saying, I can't be moved, or don't stop, or or don't, no, stop, don't proceed further. So you have to perceive, well, is this just a challenge for me to overcome, or is this the divine or the universe way of showing me that I've reached my limit and I'm not to proceed any further. So that's like no man's land. I don't belong there. So you have to know, and I believe in your soul, like people say in your soul, you know, in your soul, you know which it is. Whatever applies to you, do what you must. But I will say sometimes we're limiting ourselves 
sometimes we limit ourselves from success. And it's because we perceive things to be something maybe that they're not. So that's that's my comment, and be, that's my remark, comment and remark to what you shared. All right, thank you, Sage. Does anybody else have any more comments or questions from my writing advice and discoveries for pieces that I read tonight? See, we have a caller from North Central Kentucky. Welcome. Hello. Um, good evening. How's everyone doing? Fine. Thank you. And right. uh, please give your name. Um, my name is Melissa Yelverton, but everyone knows me as Say That on the radio. Oh, okay. And are you a writer or poet or spoken word artist? Yes, to all three. <laughs> okay. Wow, multi-talented. Well, we honor you for calling in tonight, and um, this is what we call the Free Publishing Tips Hour. It's uh, where we answer questions and provide information and full answers to anyone who is on the journey of pursuing a manuscript to become a published written work. So if you, maybe if you have any questions in regards to publishing, feel free to ask the warrioress queen, Zipporah Thelman. She's co-hosted the Exceptional Civil Show, and she is lead facilitator at this time. And or if you have a poem or some written work that you would like for us to hear, review, and provide you with a uh, critique or positive responsive feedback, we can do that as well. So, um, okay. Um, indulge us. <laughs> hmm. um, I am currently writing. I, I finally decided to write, um, and it's funny because I've encouraged other people and um, I have friends who didn't believe that they could publish and became publishers, I mean, and became yeah. um, published writers. And um, I have yet to do that. So <laughs> I figured I would take uh, my own advice and start writing. Um, so I'm currently working on a novel. Um, I haven't gone as far as to consider publishing. Um, a lot of people talk about self-publishing, and I've heard a lot of pros and cons with that. And then mm-hmm. um, I recently went to a uh, writer's workshop where um, a gentleman, uh, I think he's he was in his late 50s, 59, I believe, um, he self-published and um, ended up um, – with a mid-level publisher picking him up because he could show the sales from that. Um, He had proof that his work was selling and all of that. And so he said to do either or. So, um, yeah, um, what he said was, if your work is selling, 
um, and you desired to be picked up by a mid-level to major publisher, you take those, um, you know, you take your your records and, and show them that your work actually sells because everybody's writing a book, basically. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it just had me thinking. So I'm not exactly sure which way to go um, once I'm done. Um, because this, it, it looks like it's going to be a novel. So, okay. Now, just a question: do Do you classify yourself as a stage poet or freestyle spoken word artist, or a page poet, one who writes your poems down and then reads them? I am both a page poet and spoken word performance artist. Okay. I think there's like. I was defined by someone. They said, you're you're not a spoken word artist. You're a spoken word performance artist. There's a difference, um, right. I guess, because of how I do my pieces. Mm-hmm. So then you're more um, almost like a mon- dramatic monologue, monologue when yes. you're reading. It's, um, yes. you know, a lot of emotion and uh, theatrics even. Yes. Okay. Um, I would consider then... Uh, doing an audio CD of your poetry hmm. along with having a printed edition copy book. I would definitely recommend that you have both. Okay. Um, I've heard that before. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And what you can do just for practice, by way of practice, is if you have certain songs or music that you like uh, to be played in the background, Mm -hmm. when you're actually doing your performance of poetry, uh, you can have a recorder record you when you're doing open mics, or you can do it even in the comforts of your home and have music playing, and then read aloud your work and record it in audio form. And and hear it and hear what um, it sounds like to you first and then have someone that you feel comfortable with um, hearing it and giving you critique. And that can get you started in the process of beginning to prove an audio library, kind of, of your Poetry, because you want to get started with uh, just sampling, just doing a few and having music and recording and hearing what it sounds like and, uh, you know, getting a feel of the flow that's comfortable Mm -hmm. to you. And then um, it's just a matter of you getting maybe someone you know has a studio in their own home or um, if you have your own equipment yourself, you can do it, microphones. Um, you can do a lot with the computer these days and mm-hmm. have your music and, and just do an audio copy. And um, when you feel comfortable, you can always send it off to get it registered with the National Library of Congress. And you can make copies and sell the copies yourself instead of going through a publishing uh, house or a publisher. You can actually do your own After it's registered, it has an ISBN number, uh, so no one can claim it as theirs. National Library of Congress will have it in their database. So if ever someone tried to use it for anything, you know, for any purpose without your permission, 
and they profit from it, you could take them to court because you would have a certificate that would confirm that your work was registered. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I do have a couple of tracks um, that I have recorded, um, but not my page work. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, not, the, not the page poet side of me, not that type of work, just the uh, um, spoken word um, part. So, um, but doing an audio book, I've heard that I should do that. Uh, so, I'm yeah, I would recommend it, especially when you're a performance uh, spoken word artist. Um, I think that will be a plus. So, you have the audio version of your work as well as the written printed copy book. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a good move for you to make. Okay, cool. Um, and Warriors Queens of Porous Salmon, any other information? Um, any questions, you can direct them to her or she'll mm -hmm. give you information based on what she's heard from you. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, so I would um, I'll let the guest you know talk first, the caller rather. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions or comments for me, um, regarding regarding publishing, um, as I stated earlier, um, which is best because. I know we're not, we should believe in our projects, but what if a mid to low level publisher doesn't? Is it better to just self-publish first and then do it like the gentleman said? All right, I hear what you're saying. And what you have to go is uh, what's going to work best for you. That's the key to success. Now, okay. with it, you know, both, Traditional self-publishing have, you know, their pros and cons. But self-publishing, everything is, you know, is coming, you know, out of your pocket. And uh, with traditional publishing, you know, it's the other way around. So traditional publishers pay authors, you know, for their work. And they have their full service, meaning they have give the, um, the services that the authors need, you know, for publication. It's the same with self-publishing, but you have to pay for those services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also with self-publishing, you do, you know, make them, um, you know, you sell your books, but you need to have a really solid marketing plan, you know, with self-publishing. And they do offer those plans, you know, for marketing, et cetera, especially if you want to get your book on, you know, the physical bookshelf as well as, you know, online. Mm -hmm. Yep, and then you want a global audience. Get out on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, there are one, you know, thing I can suggest too is submit to uh, unsolicited, which means unaided manuscripts, traditional publishers to the editors, and then they can also help you. And this is what a veteran author told me is that editors can also find, you know, agents for writers to continue to write while the agents do the legwork. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, turn it right on with Sam. So does that answer your question for the most part? Or is there yes. something yes. more? No, 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 that answered it. All right, glad I was able to help. A lot of research, and that's the important thing is do your research. And what I also discovered is that you want an agent and an editor who is going to, you know, proofread, in other words, proofread and represent, you know, your works, your fiction and nonfiction. And as I had said tonight in my writing advice and discovery is be tricky about, I mean, tricky, not tricky, be picky. Be very picky about your author team. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Because, yes. Because you have to beware of tricksters. They're out there. Right, and we were seeing the coyotes, not the wolves, yes. the coyotes yes. are the tricksters. Yeah, the coyotes, yeah. Mm-hmm. The wolves imprint, the wolves are the loyal. They mm-hmm. are the ones that believe in uh, family, okay? They they usually go in packs, and they imprint, mm-hmm. which means they're all about loyalty and commitment. The coyotes mm-hmm. are the tricksters. Beware of the coyotes. I, I often refer to the Roll Runner cartoons. It was always the coyote that was in his path that was trying to prevent him from reaching his destination. And art imitates light. We're like the Roll Runner, and we have to beware of the coyote. <laughs> yes, and also there's another cartoon, uh, Go Go Gophers. They were part of an underdog show. And mm-hmm. the twister is that the coyotes were the sergeant and the colonel, and the indigenous, you know, they were gophers. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate um, all of this information. Um, I needed this. I'm glad. Uh, thank you. For the uh, invite, I'm glad I called in because uh, I, I really did. I really did need to hear this. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, well, yeah. like we always say, we're that home away from home for the indie independent artists, especially our literary artists who are the writers, the poets, the spoken word artists out there. And we're just on this platform and panel every Tuesday night. We're here to answer questions, provide good resource information. We do the homework. We do the research. And we also have some um, very resourceful articles that Warrior's Queen of Portland shares during this hour. She does share um, articles that are very informative to help uh, soon-to-be published writers as well as authors in uh, how to best navigate moving forward or what's next as for their literary art pursuits and goals. And um, we also provide, we have suggested readings mm-hmm. uh, that we provide our listeners with and required readings for the next week. So Warriorist uh, Queen, support Thalman. She'll fill you in with all those as we continue on uh, during the hour. But um, if 
while she's reading and sharing, if any questions come to your mind, just feel free to jump in, chime in, and uh, give, of course, we always say give your name so everyone knows who's talking. And I'm going to say I'm the host of the show, Stage the Poet. That's who I am. That's my signature. So um, just give your name, and if you have a question, state what your question is, and we'll do our best to fill you in providing you with the right answer. Okay, awesome. So, Warriorish Queen, I know we covered you, um, reverted back to the very first uh, of four, I believe it is, that you had read. And if you can give the second one and we'll review that and study that, and if there's any questions, we'll take them and give information, then we'll move on to the next two. All right, sure. All right, the second writing advice and discoveries is don't follow popularity. Do what makes you happy. The affirmative. Mm All right, any questions? I don't have a question, but I do have a uh, remark to that statement. Uh, And this is Sage the Poet. Um, I would suggest that instead of wanting to follow, that you take or assert the role of leading when you're writing. Um, When you're constantly going to someone and asking them what do they think, um, what are your thoughts, if it's not an interview book where it's a book where you need perspectives from a lot of different people, um, if it's your book and it's supposed to be your voice and your story, in order for it to stay your story, I think you need to take that lead and assert the lead role when writing it. When you're constantly subjective and you're gathering in information from too many sources, you can become bombarded. And then when it's time for you to assert yourself in writing and to do so in in a strong manner. It's it's not going to be a strong assertion. It's going to be a weak stance. And it's going to be more like other people and their thoughts are more dominant in your work than your own. And that's not a good thing. If it's your story, take the commanding role of leading. And it's okay to ask one or two people, a second and a third opinion when it's your story, but ultimately make sure that you're taking on that commanding leading role and it's asserted well, and it's your strong assertion of your voice because otherwise other people's 
voices and other people's thoughts are going to overpower yours. And then when it's all summed up, it's not you. It's not all you leading or in the front of your work where it can easily be discerned, this is her or this is your voice. So you want to be careful of that. Um, Be confident always. That's another thing. Be confident always. And for the most part, you will uh, carry that commanding presence in your work and, and strongly assert yourself and your voice so people can identify you by your signature style, which won't get lost in the sea of so many other people's uh, thoughts and feelings and opinions. So, yes, be stern about taking the commanding role and voice when it's a story and an account that's supposed to uh, declare you and your life. And that's what I wanted to share. All right, I agree. This is Warriors, Queens of Chorus, Elman. Because it's your story and it's your voice and it's your ideas. It's all right to take suggestions, but suggestions are, you know, choices and decisions that are the author's, you know, results in the end. Now, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. Then you get those moments where you say, well, I'm writing the book, yes. It's my story. I'm telling my story and I'm sticking to it. But I don't think that I shouldn't allow for someone else to tell some of my story, too. What do you say to that, Warriors, Queens of Fora? Hey, could you further explain that? Because um, I am confused. Okay, it's my story. I'm mm-hmm. talking about a true account of my life. However, I don't think that I should disallow someone else an opportunity to tell some of the story, some of my story, um, too. Like, should I share and allow someone else to tell my story as well as I tell it? Well, I hear what you mean, uh, and that depends. As long as that person, you know, tells the story, you know, as you tell it and not add or take away. Mm-hmm. We, it looks like we have another caller um, from Philadelphia, PA. Welcome, caller from Philadelphia. Oh, good evening. Um, this is Miss Sandra. I just called in. I'm visiting a wonderful friend, and I wanted to introduce her to the program. I oh, was kind of, no, and she, listen, I was telling her she has a book in her, and she needs to write a book. So I just said, let me put 
put this on now so she can hear. So she can hear. Wonderful. Uh And we're glad to have you. And ladies and gentlemen, this is Miss Sandra Wilkes. She is a friend of the Yaden Public Library, and she's also a host. She has a uh, program um, entitled The Art of Conversationality. And she's many things. She's also referred to as um, the, uh, I guess you would say, the networking queen specialist. (laughs) She's um, gifted with being able to connect people to the right uh, contacts when they need to achieve goals in their life. So it's a, a wonderful thing. It's a blessing to have her on the call tonight. And uh, Warrior Risk Queen Zipporah Selman is hosting at this time. This is the free publishing tips hour. So if anyone has any questions about how to become an author or what route they should take, whether they should take the traditional publishing route or self-publishing, this is the time to ask those questions. And um, it is an honor to uh, meet with the caller that's on the call now with uh, Miss Sandra, her friend, who has a book inside of her. And I'm going to pass the mic at this time. I'm going to pass it to the co-host, Warrior's Queen, Zilpora Salmon. And this, of course, is the host speaking, Sage the Poet. That's my signature. So when you hear that, that's the host. Um, Warrior is Queen, the mic is now in your hands. All right, thank you, Sage the Poet. You're and welcome. how is uh and how are you tonight, Miss Wilkes? I I'm just great. Um I just wanted to really chime in for a little moment and just uh, give information to someone else about the program and that's what I do. I visit people and I let them induce them to different things that I find that's great. So this young lady is phenomenal. She has so many talents. And I Uh said, well, you have many books, and you should write a book. And so I said, oh, I need to put the program program on and let her listen a little bit. So she had a a moment, but I wrote down the information for her so she can listen in on another night that she can do that. You know, I put... uh, put that information out for her. So I'm very excited about introducing what you're doing to others, and that's what I love doing. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm having such a great time doing that. And you both are doing a great service to your community and to everyone by having a platform of this to have people able to communicate and get the information that they need and the referrals, the information, and the resources. It's really great. So I commend both of you for doing this. Oh, thank you again. We appreciate that. Word of encouragement. Yes, Yes. and and just to know is that um, I will, you know, I will give her the information and let her go from there and, and invite her out again, either to something that is going to be done at the center, or either she can listen on Tuesday evening when she's when she's yes. able to speak. And well, we definitely need her. We definitely need her to call in because 
this is that hour when we have anyone that is in pursuit of becoming a published author to call in with their questions and or if they have comments. Sometimes they just want to comment on something they heard um, by way of confirming it's true or by way of just saying, you know, this information I will definitely spread and pass on to another person because I know it's already proven beneficial to me. So we're glad you called in. What um, a great thing to do when you know that you're in a company of someone that definitely is aspiring to become a published author or they just have this potential and it's untapped. They haven't done anything yet with it. So, you know, we also use the show's platform to uh, provoke and incite uh, closet authors, because sometimes authors are in the closet, they haven't come out yet, to confirm or affirm that um, they're ready for authorship. But we know they are. They have the potential. They have everything that it takes to get it done. So we're here to encourage. That's what it's all about. And we have a caller that called in tonight from uh, North Kentucky, North Central Kentucky, and she had a few questions. She had never yet pursued becoming an author, but she had always encouraged friends to do it, and she's a performance, which you would call a performance spoken word artist and poet. So it was an honor to speak with her, and um, she couldn't stay with us as long as she had hoped to, but she was with us um, for quite some time before you called. So we're just really happy tonight that we're we're reaching the right audience, our target audience. And our target audience is the community of literary art enthusiasts out there, some of which whom are published, but there's so many whom are not yet published. And we want you know, them to receive the right information. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, one of the questions that I could ask you and the thing, when we're uh, – all right, just like for networking, uh, as I do classes for networking for personal career and entrepreneurship. Okay, now, if you have someone that has a desire possibly to be an author, do you have something where there's a checklist of the first, like, steps that you would do when you first consider that you may have an idea that you want to do this? Is there some kind of checklist or some first instructions or say for startups, this is what you need to do? Yes, yes. I'm glad you asked that question because that's a key question right there. And and we definitely do have resources that we can provide. What we like to do is give our contacts. Um, Warrioress Queen Zipporah can provide her email. And what happens is the individual would email her post tonight's show and she would send them that information by email. Or they could just reach out to us by way of the Exceptional Scribble Show. That's our fan page on Facebook. And they can um, go and type in whatever their questions are, and we can answer them there because we do have a message um, inbox on that page on our fan page. So, yes, we do provide that information. Um, 
sometimes it's a little difficult for us to get the one-on-one while we're on the air because there's other callers. But we do um, send that information where the person can see it for themselves, and we provide that by way of email. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you so much. I will. Another thing, I must say this: every first Friday in the city of Philadelphia at the Baobab Center, and I'm going to give the address now. It's five. It's four. I'm sorry. It's five fourteen South. 52nd Street, and this is Philadelphia, PA, 19143. Every first Friday, we have at the Baobab Center, which is inside a building, which is the Perfect Place Real Estate Business Office. You'll see Perfect Place Real Estate on the outside of the building. Just come right on in. We start our events at 830 every first Friday of every month, but the doors are open to the public at 8 p.m. Just come on in. If you have need of anything, if you are a literary artist, if you are an artist, an indie or independent artist, come out. We have people there that are equipped just for you. They will accommodate whatever your needs are. You can get the right information. You can get um, the advice and counsel that you need. You will be provided with the contact information so you can correspond with these resourceful persons who can assist you in moving forward in whatever your goals are because every artist has unique perspectives and goals. So I do want to say that that's every first Friday in the city of Philadelphia. It's called the Artist Collaboration Poetry, Art, and Music Fit Your Truth Night. It is a networking opportunity for artists. We ask artists to come. Uh, always bring with you notebooks because you'll, you'll want to write some things down but you'll also be able to acquire good information because the people that come are liberal and they enjoy providing those who are in need with the right resource information to help them to move in the right direction from A to Z. So come on out. Um, it is a poor admission of $5, but you will be fed and you will be fed healthy and delicious food by our caterer, Brother Atiba Green. And you'll also receive a lot of inspiration. We also will have a feature artist in the spotlight. Our next event is this, not this week, Friday, but next Friday, August. I'm sorry, next month, August the 3rd, the first Friday in August, August the 3rd. Again. The location is the Baobab Center, 514 South 52nd Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19143. It's right in between 52nd and Larchwood and 52nd and Hazel, right across the street from Divine Creations, I mean Divine Solutions, uh, Unisex Salon, and it's right next to the early... Learning Academy 2 STEM Center and next to a corner deli. 
ladies and gentlemen. So come on out. It's very close to Malcolm X Park, which is right on the corner. Very close to Malcolm X Park, which is right across the street and right on the corner. Again, it's 514 South 52nd Street. Come and join us. It is an artist venue. It is specifically for artists. Come on out. Be encouraged. Well appreciated, loved, and well supported. And yes, you'll be well informed. A lot of good resource information will be provided. And come out to support our vendors. We have a lot of independent women and men within our community who are vendors. Yes, they are independent vendors and business owners. Come on out and support them. They'll be there selling their wares. Come on out and support the community. Thank you. Thank you so much for that information. You're welcome. Thank you. And my guest, okay. he's excited about, you know, about possibly coming out. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. We definitely want them to come out because it will also give them a platform in the event they want to perform. They have an opportunity to um, gain exposure where they can share their gift, whatever their gift is, whether it's poetry, music, um, you know, whatever their gift is, they can share it and also acquire good feedback from a live audience. So we do have judges to critique performances and also to provide tips to those that are in need of it to just help them further master their craft as artists. Okay, Warrioress Queens of Port Thelman. All right, thank you, Sage the Poet. You're welcome. I think you stopped at three. We're on number three as for your advice. All right, so number three is common knowledge is literature support. Oh, say that again. I just want to make sure I'm clear on what I heard. Sure. Common knowledge is literature's support. Can you further elaborate on that statement, please? Sure. This is what I had learned in one of my um, classes is where the teacher said that when you're writing a paper, in the paper, is that if anything that's common knowledge, you don't have to, you know, mention it. So common knowledge is, you know, it's a fact that's already, or better, it's a well, well-known well fact. But you can use it to, you know, support something that you see, you know, further, you know, from that that comes out of the common knowledge. And you see it as your viewpoint. And then you can, con- basically, you can connect it, you know, to the common knowledge. Okay. That's good advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyone have any comments or questions about that statement or remark? If not, Warriors Queens of Port Thelma, you can carry on. Sure. And the final one, number four, silly ideas arrive when writer's block attacks. Oh, my, please repeat that statement. Sure. Silly ideas arrive when writer's block attacks. 
So is that where we should respond when someone is being aggressive or maybe even verbally abusive and intrusive when we are, you could be on a stage at the time, maybe it's a heckler in your audience. Um, Instead of, I guess, magnifying the individual's tactics, I guess it's best to respond by way of um, humor, good humor, would you suggest? Is that one of the ways in which? All right. You know, you had said something new for me. And what I was referring to when I had written was that with writer's block is where you can't, you know, think of anything else, you know, you can't write anymore or you, um, you feel that you can't. So what you do, you take, you know, silly ideas, and it goes back to brainstorming, also known as free writing. So write whatever, you know, comes to your mind. Oh, and, you said writer's block. Yeah. I thought you were saying when some when someone's attacking you because of something <laughs> that you are saying or you wrote. All right. Well, you oh, know what? Okay. Somebody, yeah, yeah. It, you know what? And then it can go your way also. And then I just thought of this when you had said about somebody attacking you, like it was on stage. And what I thought of is that invite the harasser on stage so they can really express themselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like they wanted, yeah, they wanted the attention, and so they have it. It's like, all right, come on up, you know, come on up stage, you know, sir, or madam. You know, and tell everybody how you really feel about, you know, what I said or wrote. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way because I think you want to deflate mm-hmm. the um, inflammatory um, statements or acts. I think you want to deflate them. So the best way to deflate them is not to add ember to the flame but Mm -hmm. to smother the flame with dirt and sand. So in other words, you don't fight fire with fire. You put it out. If it's a fire, you put out the fire. You Mm -hmm. smother the fire. You don't um, add fuel to it. So you don't do the same thing they're doing. But like you said, you kind of use the tactic of the element of surprise. They don't expect you to invite them to the stage and that's really what they want that's why they're doing the the taunting and the jesting um to try to get attention so to take attention from who's on the stage so for you to invite them to the stage will totally just um catch them off guard they're not expecting that <laughs> right so it is, yeah so you're gonna add, look i'm sharing the stage with you sir or madam it's big enough for the both of us and everybody, anybody else that wants to join. <laughs> right. And also it reminded me of what I was just like thinking. Filling them with kindness, too. <laughs> <laughs> indecent exposure. <laughs> You're helping them to indecently expose themselves. <laughs> and it reminded me if I was at Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, where... Was it funny? And it wasn't funny where Freddie had cut off Kristen. She was one of the main characters. You know, beheaded her mom, and the talking head was still talking. Mm. No, no, correct it. The beheaded talk. The, the 
Her mom's, you know, beheaded head was still talking. <laughs> so that goes to show you, like, um, you have to stay creative. We are cr- mm-hmm. creative mm-hmm. minds in general. If you write, if you are an actor, an artist in any form or discipline of art, you are a creative mind artist. And in every situation, always be creative and, and mm-hmm. think outside the box. There's mm-hmm. always a a solution to any mm-hmm. problem. You just have to stay open-minded and be creative and think, how can mm-hmm. I take this situation that's not so decent or pleasant and turn it around into a pleasant outcome or a decent Mm -hmm. result. Mm -hmm. How can I do that? And think creative. Mm -hmm. Be creative. Yes, and uh, this is Warriors, Queens, and Poor. That's why artists are labeled crazy. (laughs) Now say that one more time. That's why. That's why artists are labeled crazy. Yes, we're referred to as mad a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to add, too, with regard to another thing to help fight writer's block is to read fan fiction. They are too hilarious. And that's good advice. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage anyone to always um, think whimsical whenever it's getting too heated in a room or the climate is sticky and and muggy and you can hardly breathe and you have to uh temper that audience because that's your audience you didn't pick and choose them Mm -hmm. um but they are there so always start by thinking what can i say or do to change the mood or the temperature in the room. If it's already a high heated um, climate, then you want to bring it down to a cool. So think of something that can relax your audience. If that means you have to start off with talking about a funny incident that happened on that day. Um, if you have to, uh, say a joke kind of to warm them up, maybe it's a cold audience, very, very cold. Mm-hmm. Um, not much, uh, feeling of warmth coming from the people in your audience. So think of what can I do to warm the climate up in the audience, you know, um, just be creative mm-hmm. and remember, yeah. um, everybody has. Uh, triggers, there's emotions, humans, we're um, emotional people. Think of what can you do to change whatever that emotion might be at that time that's just not productive. Always think like that. You know, you have, think of it like you have command. When you're on that stage, you own that stage. You have command. And whatever you're doing or you're saying it's it's by way of an impulse. It's going to be the catalyst 
that determines what the outcome of your performance is going to be like and whether that audience is going to be a receptive audience to you or whether they're going to get up and walk out because they're going to say, I didn't pay for this or I didn't come for this, I didn't choose this. So you take command, you take ownership, and know your worth. That's important, know your worth. And then you can be confident and do what you came to do as an artist on that stage. And when it's all said and done, everybody leaves happy. It's a win-win situation. And this is our Warriors Queens of Poor, and I'm going to add, too, about breaking the ice, you know, if it's a cold temperature or uh, if it's hot, but or if it's uncomfortable. You know, use props. For example, if it's too hot, bring out a fire extinguisher. <laughs> the use props, bring out a fire extinguisher. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, that's quite, you talk about as for the dramatic that's going that route. As for the dramatic, <laughs> opening the fire extinguisher on the audience. Oh, my goodness. Now, that that's a riot right there. <laughs> well, not opening it on them, but just bring it out for show. Just set it, you know, put oh, okay. it beside just, you on just the showing, stage. Yeah, not, like, not no show. <laughs> yes. No demonstration, just show and tell. No. Right. Hey. Whatever it takes, sometimes you have to literally do these things. I've known of people bringing animals on a stage and letting them loose. I've known of people throwing <laughs> confetti. I've known of people blowing bubbles, uh, throwing balloons, bouncing balls around, doing whatever it takes to get your audience to vibe with you because you want to kind of sink them in to your vibe. You know, so you're on the same page. So you have to be creative. You got to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to take risks sometimes. You know, sometimes some people actually start taking off their shoes and their shirt. <laughs> they get real comfortable like they're at home. Um, so it's whatever, you know, we all have our own level of comfort. Whatever you're comfortable with that you know you see, it is making the connection with the audience. That's what's necessary. And you read three now. Did we get to four yet, co-hosts, warriors? Yeah. Yeah, the fourth one that I read, you know, about the silly ideas of Robin Wright. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the fourth one. Now, I'm going to move on to the publishing information, which is only one piece of advice, which is be picky about your author career team. Be picky about mm-hmm. your author career team. I like that. That's Mm -hmm. good advice. Yes, because you have to be, you know, and we want people who are going to have the same vision and goals for your work as you are because you're not, you don't want nobody that's going to mess it up. Then you get frustrated, Mm -hmm. ready to blow up. So Mm -hmm. is it safe to stay compatible? You want to make sure your team consists of people who are compatible 
right. with you. You can work with them. Yeah. You all have a common denominator. Though you are different and unique mm-hmm. and have unique perspectives, you have a common denominator. And you have the same focus. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's just like we're producing. You know, a producer is the same as a writer. They have the vision. And what the director does is that the director, you know, directs that vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It looks like we have uh, North Central Kentucky back on the call. I'm going to ask if uh, she may have a question. If not, um, we definitely want to invite her to speak in that she has a poem that she would like to share. We definitely would like for her to share that. But I'm going to ask Warrioress. Are you um, finished with that information? Is that everything? Yes. Okay. And do you have any... like to... All right, go ahead. It was feedback. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. <laughs> go ahead. So we'll hear from uh, the caller from North Central Kentucky, and if she could say her name for us one more time. This is Melissa Yelverton. Welcome back. We're so glad to have you again. Did you have any comments, maybe, about any of the information that was being discussed when you called back in? Regarding the author team, the author career Mm -hmm. team, if it's your first time if it's your first time writing, how do you how do you develop that? Do you go to your? I mean, because I, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be a wise thing to go to certain peers. Um, so how do you develop the team? Mm. All right, all right. Now that's the thing is that when you are first finish your man, right? <laughs> Excuse me. I hear feedback in the background. Sorry. <coughs> Pardon me. All right, I'm back. Well, first you um, you finish your manuscript, and then your team is on a traditional publisher. Like you'll have your literary agent, you have your publisher, you have your excuse me, your literary yeah, your literary agent, your publicist, and then you know you have your uh, the people who do the marketing you know, for you. So it's the whole team that's going to be working for you on your um, on your book. You know, not just your books, but your fiction and nonfiction work. And what their job is to make sure that they are doing what they are supposed to do regarding in each department that your book is categorized in. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have okay. the marketing team. Yes. Right. So you have, like, the marketing team and then your literary agent. You know, they are to submit your book to, you know, the publishers that will, you know, represent your work. And then the publishers, you know, they negotiate, you know, with not just the contract but also in advance. Now, when you get in advance, the thing is that you have to make, you start getting royalties when you make up to that advance check. But it's best to make over the advance check. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, and you want to go for the highest percentage. What was that, Sage, the poet? Seventy percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you can go seventy-five or mm-hmm. eighty, go for it. But definitely seventy percent minimum. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. 
Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yes, because it's your work, and you know it's how great. much your work is worth. And there are um, authors that have gotten like million dollar advances, you know, for their work because it was very, you know, it was good quality. And that's what it is. It's not the length of the book, but the quality on the pages that makes it successful. That's right. Well mm-hmm. said. Okay. Now, in reference to a team, mm-hmm. uh, Warrior Risk Queens of Forest Element, how many persons do you think should make up that team as far as your support team? Well, there is no number. But it's not the number that you look at. You have to look at, you know, their titles. So as I mentioned, you know, like the literary agents, the editor, the publicist, you know, the, uh, you know, the marketing person, you know, especially with the sales and all. So far, that's four. Okay. Yeah, so the team is, uh, the author's team is we're going to manage their career. I like that. You said the author's team is going to manage their career. Yeah. So you definitely want your team to be consist of persons who can manage. Right. You. Mm-hmm. Well mm-hmm. said. That helps, too, when, when selecting. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, that helps. All right, are there any more questions or comments? Yes, I would suggest, too, I know usually people want someone that's above where they are Mm -hmm. in terms of rank to be a part of their team. You know, they want to refer to counselors who know more than they know. But I would also, Mm -hmm. yeah, or experts. Mm -hmm. They're just highly skilled, seasoned, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they have works to show for it. (laughs) Um, But I think it's also good to have one person that's like, they just are a good go-to person. Like, Mm -hmm. this is someone you can rely on in your community if you need a resource or you need to be connected with the right person. This person can do that for you. And they don't have to be an expert. But they're just reliable, dependable, and they are that person that just about knows everybody. It's always one in every community. <laughs> it's like it's one in every family that you know I can go to this person and they want to give me the hookup. They're going to give me the, the, the right contact for this. Um, this is somebody I can count on, I can depend on. And they're not going to even charge me because they just love to help. Make sure you have someone like that on your team, too. Mm -hmm. Because I think they'll save you a lot of headaches Mm -hmm. and a lot of um, stress, unnecessary stress. Yeah, especially. Yeah, that's what stress is. Stress is unnecessary nonsense. 
I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. It might be Mookie. Mm-hmm. Mookie is the, the the town watch person. I mean, they know everything, everybody who can, who got what, who can connect you in this way. Hey, keep Mookie on hand. Hey, Sleepy Hollow. No <laughs> <laughs> small town. Everybody knew everybody. <laughs> That's right. They didn't even need binoculars. And give them something. I mean, you know, of course they do what they do. But make sure you compensate them. Let them know they're appreciated. You don't want people to feel like you know you just using them, and then when you don't need them no more, you just toss them to the side. You know, give give them a little startup. Give them a little something, something that they can invest in a little startup, and then next thing you know, they got their own networking team of their own. They run their own networking business. Well, circulation. <laughs> That's right. Well, I have to say thank you so much, Warrior Queen. The information you provided tonight as for the free publishing tips hour has been quite uh, full of enrichment. I'm sure everybody was able to get fact-based information, good, sound knowledge that they needed to add to what they already have to further enhance their knowledge base. Because it's all about advancement and productivity and making progress. You have to see things moving forward. And, And when you have the right ingredients or the right formula, you can advance forward and move ahead. And that's what it's about. Did anyone have any more questions? Yeah, I was talking about ingredients the other day, man. You can't mess that bread up either. It's bad stuff. Okay, I just muted that mic. I'm not sure who that is, but they are not um, encouraged to call in and to engage in any type of disruptive dialogue. This is a panel and a platform, one that is designated for enrichment. So I must stand watch as host and say we do not welcome that kind of activity. Sorry about that to the listeners. I did meet their mic. It was a caller from mm-hmm. South Texas. I've seen this caller call on other shows as well. So mm-hmm. I am standing alert on alert mm-hmm. tonight. And you know what? Put two wolves at the door. Extra protection. Yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, so it's 1026, so I still have time to move on to the next um, category that I have, or should I save it for, you know, next episode? Um, How much time do you think you need? Will it just take 15 minutes? Yes, uh, it's short. And then we're going to hear some poetry for the last 15 mm-hmm. minutes. I'm going to make sure we have our poets mm-hmm. on the mic tonight. All righty, so the next section is Anti-Trump Art Warriors Resistance. 
And I'm going to start off with this saying that I wrote. North America, also known as Turtle Island, is under attack. Mm. Mm. Section A, quotations, which are the following two. The first is, if you can only be tall because somebody else is on their knees, then you have a serious problem. Tony Morrison. Mm-hmm. Number two, I don't blame the puppet. I blame the puppeteer, Malcolm X. Section B, literature, and I'm going to read from the July 2018 Ebony Magazine Editor's Message. It's a, Sorry, not the editor, the CEO. Things are heating up in the world of entertainment. It's with great pleasure that we present to you our Black Hollywood issue. So many African-American actors, directors, writers, and producers have been gaining significant ground in film, television, and cable of late. They are telling stories of our lives and culture that can be told only through a black perspective. So we are spotlighting this new wave of exciting talent, which includes Jordan Peele, who recently became the first black writer to win a Best Original Screenplay Oscar for his film Get Out. And our list of hot directors includes Ryan Coogler, who directed the mega hit Black Panther and is executive producing Creed II, scheduled for release this fall. Another star assuming a key role in Hollywood is Omari Hardwick, this month's cover subject, who has captivated audiences in the hit star's TV crime series Power, convincingly playing multi-layered character James quote-unquote, Ghost St. Patrick. Hardwick has an inspiring story that he shares with Ebony readers. It is one that describes his rise from struggling actor living in his car to in-demand actor who is giving back to others. Fans can see him in the summers. Sorry to bother you. Although we do love bringing you the stars, Ebony continues to maintain another important role, keeper of the truth. As such, we felt it necessary to enlist one of our great authors and scholars, Michael Eric Dyson, spelled D-Y-S-O-N, who has written many best-selling books and is a professor at Georgetown University to address the importance of why our black creatives don't have the luxury of making work that is culturally uniformed. He also pays tribute to one of our great actors and activists, Harry Belafonte, and stresses the need for artists and entertainers to continue the mission of those enlightened individuals who came before them. Other issues we continue to face are related to health and lifestyle. <clears throat> Pardon me. An expanded Bon Appetit, bon Appetit section in which we present recipes from three top chefs and nutrition advice from our experts covers the black vegan movement. And while the media has presented the opioid epidemic as a problem that impacts only white suburban and rural populations, the national death rate among African Americans rose 41% in 2016, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Indeed, black lives do and should matter, especially as it pertains to this latest drug crisis. 
We sincerely hope you enjoy reading about your favorite celebrities and becoming more informed about today's issues. Linda Johnson Rice, CEO. All right, I'm moving on. Section C, film. There's only one, which is Rampage. With Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Naomi Harris, message, psychological warfare. And section D, music, which are two. Number one, top off. Jay-Z featuring Beyonce and DJ Khaled. And number two, Khalid. Khalid, thank you. DJ Khalid. And number two, Who Let the Dogs Out by Baja Men. Now, mm-hmm. have you ever anal- analytically um, interpreted what Who Let the Dogs Out actually is saying? Yeah, I have read the lyrics. <laughs> oh, okay. And yeah, I read the lyrics, and it's really funny. And what they were, oh, come on. Right, I'm going to look it up real quick. As you know what a lot of musicians are doing, and mm-hmm. a lot of musicians are front-line activists, and they use their music and they use their lyrics to promote an agenda or a cause, and usually it is for justice. So a lot of times the songs that we listen to a lot of times subjectively, we don't always hear objectively, and we're missing what's really being said, and there's a message with the music. Right. Now, who let the dogs out? All right, thank you. And uh, who let the dogs out? The lyrics are, a doggy is nothing if he don't have a bone. And so there's a, that's a definition. I mean, you see a dog, you know it's a dog, but it, it, the, the bone, you know, symbolizes that, uh, I know, it is really a dog. Now, there was this old thing back in the day, and I heard this elder in the community say it, and I heard another person say it years later, um, a dog has to have a bone. If you give a dog a bone, that dog is going to bury that bone. So don't give the dog a bone. And what the person was saying at, and the first time I heard this saying, I was kind of like, okay, a dog has to have a bone, give a dog a bone, but don't give a dog a bone. You know, I got confused. But what it's actually saying is don't give a dog a bone, meaning a person can be a dog. Mm-hmm. And they're digging and they're digging for something. You ever notice a person, they just trying to have a conversation with you, and you know you and that person, you don't even agree. Why are they trying to talk to you? But you realize something. It's been five going on ten minutes, and they trying to they try they digging for something. Mm-hmm. Don't give them right. Don't give them what they came for. In other words, mm-hmm. 
A dog got to have a bone. People can be like a dog. They want sometimes what they're not entitled to. Don't Mm -hmm. give people what they're not entitled to. It's like gossip. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. people are just talking to you because they're trying to find out something. It's something that they want to find out and they know you know. So they're just trying to go about it a roundabout way. So Mm -hmm. that's really what's being said by don't give a dog a bone. Don't give them something that they can carry home and bury. Don't do it. Gossip is sleazy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to, like, the old saying goes, mom's the word. (laughs) Don't say nothing. Just be like, "Mm, mm, 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 What's wrong? You don't want to say? You don't want to talk? Well, it's a nice day. Sometimes it's best not said. Some things don't don't feed into, don't share everything with everybody. I was always Mm -hmm. taught that. You got to know who to say what to. Sometimes we're giving away too much. Mm-hmm. Things that shouldn't even be sold. We're we're selling ourselves away, selling other people up the creek. <laughs> Just, I mean, <laughs> how you don't know somebody's trying to find out where that person just moved to because they they want to hit, they want to rob them. Don't tell. Mm-hmm. Oh, so and so they live on such. Hey, if it's not my personal information and that's that's the way I am, straight that way. If it's not my personal information, I don't know it. Even Mm -hmm. if I do know it, I don't know it. So you need to go and find out from that person because I ain't going to be the one to give somebody information away and then they say, wow, I definitely didn't want that person to know. Why you Mm -hmm. tell them? Then you feel so bad. Like, Mm -hmm. man, I wish I... So we just have to not be like those dogs. They... Want a bone so they can take it home and bury a bone. Don't seek out. I was told if you look for trouble, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Don't oh, yeah. look for it. Yeah. Right. And people that look for trouble, you know, it excites them. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. We know it's a lot of things wrong, a lot of things going on right now. We know it's a very tense time. Uh, mm-hmm. The economy is dwindling. A lot of people are just real anxious right now because you don't know what can happen from one day to the next. We got this issue mm-hmm. with immigration, with the mm-hmm. ice and all this going on, and the children separate from the parents. We just got so much right now on our plate as citizens and as people who reside mm-hmm. in on Turtle Island, original name mm-hmm. for North America. So we mm-hmm. have to be considerate of the fact a lot of people are in stressful stressful states right now. What can you say? What can you do to lighten their load? What can you do to make a person less stressed? And that's the way to go about things. When you have conversation, interactions with people, what can I do to help someone feel better? Does it, you know, if I can just smile, and say, give them a compliment, give them a hug, an encouraging word, 
those are the things we need to really be doing right now because it's enough high heat mm-hmm. right now in our nation. We need to bring the bring it down, bring the mm-hmm. temperature down, and and we can do it. Show a little more kindness, be a little more positive and proactive in our pro- approaches, and we can kind of help the situation at hand somewhat. Because yes, we can make a difference. Yes, mm-hmm. we can. And it has to has to be in that regard. We, everyone works together. It's a team effort. Everyone works together and says, you know, let's try and make things easier for our communities because we know it's a lot of stress and tension right now. But we can do something to help de-escalate things. And that's how we have to move forward. And thank you so much again, Voyeurist. I really appreciate all of the um, information given, all of the articles, and even the references made to movies and songs. Um, Yeah. All good. And let's keep in mind, you know, these artists, these musicians who record their music, they're trying to get messages out there. And a lot of them are activists. And we need to support those that are promoting activism as for social reform and social justice. Because those are things that right now, we are not seeing enough of. Uh So let's support the artists that are in support of us. And the ones that are not in support of us, I mean, Uh I'm not trying to sound negative or cruel or anything, Uh but they have their own, you know, people that's taking care of them. Uh You know, the powers that be, they got elitists that support them Uh and fund them. That's true. Let's help... Yeah, help those mm-hmm. indie independent artists that too often turn into being those struggling and starving mm-hmm. artists. And then you hear about them dying alone and broke. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And also the, the up and coming artists that, you know, they also die alone, you know, they also die, you know, before they can get their work, you know, on the market because of, you know, what it's about. It was a positive message against supremacy. That's right. Mm-hmm. A lot of martyrs out there. A lot of our artists mm-hmm. were martyred. Um, you know, they fought for justice. They were activists and they mm-hmm. used art to as mm-hmm. a platform, as a conduit, a medium to promote their messages for social reform and social justice reform in their society, in this society, and in their Mm -hmm. countries and and provinces and so forth. So let's not forget them. You know, when we say their names, when we say their names, when we speak their names, we keep them and their legacies and the memory of them alive. So let us not forget to say their names. And honor them. Yes, and these activists, 
They're also, you know, like putting their lives on the line because they become targets. That's right. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. They become targets. Their communities are targets already. And their families also become targets. But I look at it like this. If I become a target, I don't feel bad because Mm -hmm. my community is already a target. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm fighting. That's why activism matters because you realize we're already targeted Mm -hmm. as a community. And I also want to add about Maxine Waters. She said Mm -hmm. what I call an indigenous saying, when she said, when you shoot me, you better shoot straight. There's nothing like a wounded animal. Mhm. Yeah, that is an indigenous statement. That's mm-hmm. right. And we have to remember that, you know, don't mm-hmm. fear the enemy. Know your enemy. Don't fear your enemy. Stand your ground. Mm-hmm. If it's worth living for, it's worth fighting for. And if that means you have to die because you stood and fought for what you believe in, be willing to be a martyr. Because you only die physically once. All right, I'm about to add some humor part. Watch out for that spirit. When it comes That's on. right. Your soul and <laughs> spirit never dies. Uh, It'll make the living crazy. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I'm, I guess I have to correct that because some people have died physically and come back <laughs> more than once. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I stand to be corrected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we have our caller from North. Central Kentucky, I want to give her a chance to mm-hmm. spit her poetry and then we can give some feedback and then we'll wrap up tonight's show. Hello? Yes, welcome, welcome. Um, and we're handing you the microphone and turning the spotlight on you. Now is the time where we allow for our open mic poets who called in to share and spit their poetry, and we're going to provide some positive, responsive feedback after you spit your poem. Okay. Um, This is an older piece. Uh, The title is 17, whenever you're ready. Yes. Mm -hmm. At 17, the streets kiss hard in the dark. Nothing passionate or delicate or anything I could ever forget but this kind of kiss I could never miss. Grabbing the back of my mind to the point of straining me. Ramming its tongue down my hopes forcefully bumping its teeth against the teeth of my dreams. And it didn't even matter if they were broken, turning me into my own get-out-of-jail-free token. But what could I pay? And how 
How did I get here? I just wanted to be free. No more near rapes and no more beatings, no more nicknames outside of who I was. No more light sleeping, listening for a door slam. Damn, I just want to be free, not belong to the streets. All of 17, too old for runaway shelters, too young for the women's shelter. So where could I go for some type of shelter? Follow this lady so she can turn me out and teach me all she knows for somewhere to stay? Or get in this man's car and hand him my body for play? Maybe. If I did, I could own my own place to stay at least for a couple of days. But I'm so scared I just walk away rubbing my belly, thinking of the baby inside of me, hating the streets, nothing to eat, my aching feet, Got me stealing change out of open cars, running so fast past bars with men hanging out trying to grab me. I just need to feed my baby. And why? Why doesn't God see me? Why doesn't God see me? And why can't I jump from a bridge or cut myself or run onto the freeway? God doesn't care. I'm Dirty, I stink, I'm broke, I'm hungry, and old men want to do things to me, and I just want to end it all. Nobody knows me. Nobody knows me. So who would they call? I have no family. They all left me out here. But the streets see me. The streets see me. But she wants me to play her way. Minutes, hours, days, weeks, and months. Five months pregnant now and still no baby bump. No one to talk to. No one to inspire me. No clothes, towels, soap, comb, or brush. So who's going to hire me? Minutes, hours, days, weeks, Months and months blindly walking through, trying not to succumb to the nothingness of her darkness, her evil, addictive harshness. See, the streets kiss hard at 17, stealing napkins from restaurants in time to lock the door in the bathroom to try and wash away minutes Hours, days, weeks, months of filth and pain. Looking at my body, completely drained of tears, remembering the years I spent in fear and agony. And church people act like they don't remember me. And I'm standing right in front of them, and they can't see me. They can't see me. The streets and her raggedy magic tricks. I taught their kids. I sang for them. I was a good girl. 
I listened to their lies and then paid homage when the offering plate came around again and again. Oh, of course. Of course they can't see me. I'm too close to the ground. See, noses that far in the air find it so damn hard to look down unless you're trying to keep up with them. Uh. With their blinded eyes as if they live so right. <laughs> but God's going to get them back, right? <laughs> right? Why does it seem like he's just got it in for me? Why does he hate me? So at 17, I prepare for my nap in the park because I got to walk all night because the streets kiss hard in the dark. So I pray for the day. I walk for the day. I wait for the day her shadows go away. And she won't kiss me anymore. That's a piece. Mm. Oh, my. Yes, that's definitely a piece you could do as a dramatic monologue. It's just so much realness and a lot of deep emotion projected from that piece. And it's someone's song. It's someone's life. Mm-hmm. You captured somebody's testimonial of yeah. what their 17th year on earth was like. And you did a wonderful job. I mean, just all of the emotion and it was well articulated, even how people um, you know, a lot of times we turn our back on our, they're in that in-between state of not being a teenager, but yet not an adult. Mm-hmm. And they're usually the group, um, even in terms of homelessness or insecure housing, they're usually the group that's not well accommodated in terms of um, receiving the services um, for public health and wealth, from public health and welfare to help them get on their feet Mm -hmm. or to reenter into society in a more productive way. So I love that you, you told that, you told the story and experience of that group of people and they're often not heard. And not too many people are willing to even tell their story or be that voice for them, the voiceless. So I commend you on doing that. I think that's that's a um, that's a, a a piece that needs to be uh, demonstrated at many open mic venues, and yes, even in some of our churches our mosques, synagogues, you name it, public uh, places where people gather for community enrichment forums, that's a piece that needs to be introduced and it needs to be heard because 
until it's addressed what their needs are, that group, we are losing the battle as for saving them. Yes, and that's true. This, this is awesome. actually my story. Mm. Oh. That explains why she could come from that place of depth, you know, that depth and, and that um, emotion that she came from sitting that piece. That was her story. And I just want to ask you, the, the child, um, how is the child today, the child that you spoke of in the piece? She is an awesome young woman. Mm. Wonderful. And is there a sequel to that piece yes. that yes. you've written? Okay. I would definitely love for you to share that someday if you can't right now. Um, I'm still writing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wonderful. I think that's important, too. You know, we've got to let people know there's a middle, there's a beginning, but there's also an end. And we do have happy endings as well. You know, a lot of times um, our beginnings may may not be beautiful or they may not be a place of comfort and nurturing, a nurturing environment. But that doesn't have to mean that our ends or endings are going to be that same way. So I love I love that you have a path that you're willing to testify about and and to share it with also the hope shared with others that you can have a better ending than your beginning. Or don't allow the past to predict your future. Mm-hmm. As for the negative mm-hmm. of the past. Is mm-hmm. yeah, this is Warriors Queens of Port. And um, I do want to add my viewpoint of the poem. That was raw. And the second thing I want to say is looking as I was listening or hearing was that the street, you know, was dependent on, you know, the 17-year-old, you know, for in order to be fully activated, in order for it to be alive, rather. Mm. It needed a host. So the streets, the, the 17-year-old was the, uh, the streets' host. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now that's something to consider, and we have to consider that. You know, a lot of times you don't realize that we fall victim, and I've heard it said, you fall victim to the street. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not born victims to the street, mm-hmm. no. but. There's right. circumstances. We're victims of circumstances yeah. Yeah. that, yes, that um, because of those circumstances, we can fall victim to being vulnerable and becoming a victim of the streets. 
But again, it, it just takes a few seconds for someone to show kindness and compassion and to reach out a helping hand. And so we are failing. We're failing in that area. We've got to do more. And we can think of all the reasons and excuses we can think of as to why we're not getting the job done. But for every excuse, there's a reason for us not to have an excuse. Because ultimately, if you have minutes to a half hour or or if you have five minutes, all it takes is five minutes, and someone's in need and they're within reach, you can do something to assist and accommodate their needs. It's just a matter of caring. It's just a matter of reaching out, outside of being selfish and becoming selfless and saying, this person matters. They matter. It's like I would not allow myself to go without. I'm not going to see my neighbor go without. I mean, they're right next to me. They're right across from me. We ride the same bus every day or we work on the same job. It, It makes no sense for us to not care. Um, it's that whole village. It takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. And just being community-centered, you have that knowing, that knowledge, that awareness that you don't live or die to yourself. We're all a part of a community, something bigger than us. So it it just makes, it it's, it's sensible to live a community-centered way, knowing that we all make up this universe and all of us have a distinction and a, a, a relevance that makes us significant to the whole grand scheme of things. We are a member of the community, each and every one. And if we can acknowledge that and internalize that knowledge, we can live out a better creed as humans. And we can do more to make things better for each other. And that's what I love that piece because it's a reminder to me that, yes, you can do more and, and do more. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it because someone, someone else is that 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Someone else is that right now. And if each of us reaches out and helps those within our reach, we can eliminate that story from becoming a never-ending one. And I'm just happy that you have a happy ending. And your child, as you said, awesome. A awesome young woman. Correct? Did you say young woman? Correct? Yes. Yes, an awesome young woman. That's a testament to your spirit and resilience. You did not stay down. And that's what's key. We all have valley lows in our life. 
and we'll have mountain highs as well. But when we're in those valley lows, it's for us not to wallow in despair, but for us to see the situation and circumstance, learn, take notes from it, and then to rise up. Don't stay down. And I love that you did that. And now your story becomes a triumphant testimony. And you're able to celebrate your triumph each time you are on that stage spitting that piece. And even on this program tonight, that is a celebration of the human spirit, the dignity of the human spirit. And you're saying how, yes, I am not what I used to be. I'm better. I'm not what I shall be, but I'm in process of becoming that. And that's what matters. Stay legitimate. Stay inspired. Stay lifted. Stay innovative and creative with the ways you come up with telling your story because that, oh my, it can be so many things, a song, a play. It's already a dramatic monologue when you perform it. Um, You definitely have to do an audio CD. After I've heard you now, I know, yes, I said the right thing to you. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Printed edition, yes, but also audio. Yes, indeed. Awesome work. Thank you. Awesome work. You're welcome. Well, we're going we're going to now wrap up for tonight and thank you so much for calling in. Looking forward to corresponding with you again and hearing that sequel to uh the piece the poem entitled 17 and I'm just so so excited for you for what's ahead. Uh you definitely have great things ahead and in store and just stay on the path you're on. Finish the course. Um, you're going to impact many lives just sharing and telling your life story. And always know that. It's, it's, it's for You went through what you went through for a good purpose. And now that you have overcome, it's time for you to help others. And you will. I know you are already. And just continue doing that. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, that concludes episode 223 of the Exceptional Scribble Show. And I do want to remind everyone on next week from the hour of 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., we're going to have Nathaniel Stone Jones on. He is the published author of a novel, a uh, fiction novel, which is entitled Spiritual Chess. And I want to read the title of that is Spiritual Chess, The Ultimate Battle in Spiritual Warfare. And I do need to say this novel is supernatural. Um, also, the writer himself did live outside of the U.S. I believe he, believe he lived in Norway, and he was a fashion designer studying fashion design at the time. He did have a paranormal experience. And uh, his novel was inspired from it. And we're going to go deep into that 
uh, theme as well. Well, next Tuesday, um, the supernatural and the paranormal. And we're going to touch on the spiritual aspect of um, life as we know it in the world beyond this one, meaning there is a life beyond this life, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go into that and what that's all about and what that entails as well. And don't forget, next Tuesday, Nathaniel Stone-Jones. And you can also go online. His uh, website is entitled Stone Jones Publishing. Stone Jones Publishing dot com. Please visit his webpage, scroll down and read his full biography. It is quite compelling. He is a rare find as for a gentleman and a person who literally has encountered the paranormal dimension and is here testifying about what he experienced. And using his literary art gift to do that. So join me next week. I promise you, you will enjoy that interview. That's a special feature from 8. a matter of fact, we're going to do a two-hour from 8 till 10. And then Zipporah will, our co-host, Warriorist Queen Zipporah Thelman, will lead, facilitate the free publishing tips hour from 10 to 11. And any poets that call in will hear some poetry before we're off the air. Thank you, everyone, for joining tonight. Have a blessed evening. And to all, a good and peaceful evening tied to everyone. Good night. <clears throat>
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.